It's the New Mercury Podcast, and here's your host, Kyle A. Lohmeyer. Welcome back to the New Mercury Podcast. I am, as always, your host, Kyle A. Lohmeyer, the proprietor of and sole original content provider to the NewMercury.com. So, this weekend is Thanksgiving, and given the tone of my podcast and blog, both or all three of my listeners might be curious as to what exactly I would be thankful for. I mean, for nine weeks now, I've just complained about how awful the government is and how unbearable life under it has become. So what indeed does a tax slave on a corporatist plantation being robbed and ruled by the oligarchs until he dies have to be thankful for? Well, oddly, I'm thankful for the fact that I know I'm a tax slave on a corporatist plantation ruled by a large handful of ruthlessly, irrationally greedy oligarchs. This keeps me from doing silly things like wearing a MAGA hat or putting a Bernie Sanders sticker on my car. It prevents me from getting all animated about the things the mainstream media seeks to menace me with, too. Of course, I'm also thankful for all the things any 42-year-old man whose only major health issues so far are insomnia, joint pain, and male pattern baldness, who is also married to a wonderful woman, has a pretty awesome little dog, and a good job should be thankful for. As a younger and somehow even more jaded and cynical man, I always thought the whole idea of being mindfully thankful for things that aren't terrible was kind of hokey. It was, and it still is, always easier to just rattle off a list of things that either suck or could be vastly improved. As a more mature, ideally anyway, man who's been studying and working to apply the teachings of the late Stoics to his life, exactly how wrong-headed I once was has come into sharp focus. I have really come to view Stoicism as that third and innermost element of my overall philosophy. On spirituality, I'm an atheist. On politics, I'm a voluntarist. On my person, I work hard to be a Stoic. I've always believed that having a personal philosophy in life is vitally important. To know what you know and why you know what you know about the universe, society, and yourself. Among the most famous of the late Stoics was Roman Emperor Marcus Aurelius. He wrote down his personal meditations and kept volumes of these ideas and thoughts and disciplines. But they weren't written for an audience, they were just for himself. That they survived, were discovered, and then translated into living languages is the closest thing to a miracle that I'm capable of believing in. In those diaries, we learn that the most powerful man in the world at the time began each day with a meditation upon the things that he was thankful for. This wasn't just some odd quirk of his personality, but rather an intrinsic part of his overall personal philosophy, his stoicism. And if I might for a minute, because I am a word nerd, and that's just a lingering side effect of my previous life as a newspaper reporter slash editor slash page designer, discuss the word stoic itself for just a moment. You say the word stoic or stoicism today, and all anyone imagines is some emotionless, likely male character forging ahead unmoved by any sadness or tragedy around him. No one thinks etymologically and wonders how a word that literally translates from the original Greek as porchic or porchism came to have the connotation that it does. Well, the Greek philosophers who founded the discipline that came to be known as Stoicism preached their level-headed philosophy from the porches of public buildings in Grecian city-states like Athens, etc. Because of this, that school of philosophy came to be known as Stoicism. Sto is Greek for porch. And, more than anything else, it is a philosophy of level-headedness. Some characterize Stoicism as an effort to become totally bereft of emotion, and that's just totally untrue and really impossible anyway. Everyone has feelings. The Stoic seeks to not let emotions guide his actions or his thoughts. The three tenets of late Stoicism are, in fact, right thinking, right action, and knowing what things in life you can control and what you can't. 
All three, as one can imagine, are very much related. Knowing what is within one's control is the basis of right thinking, and that leads to right action. I personally see some cognates between these tenets of Stoicism and the first two of Buddha's Four Noble Truths, which are that all life is suffering, and that suffering is caused by desire. It's an example, at least to me, of philosophical parallel evolution, I'd say. I mean, granted, Buddha predates Aurelius by centuries, but I'm not certain how much of the Buddha's teachings found their way into 2nd century common era Rome. Anyway, both men hit upon the idea that life is suffering, and there's just little point in complaining about it. And, more interestingly to me, both men hit upon the notion that we are often our own worst enemies. We let the pursuit of things that we desire make us miserable. Epictetus, who is another of the late Stoics, is perhaps best known for pointing out that wealth consists not of having great possessions, but in having few wants. Of course, we all want more money, more hair, a newer, nicer car, a bigger house, things like that. And having a goal and working toward it is obviously a good thing, but it's when you become obsessed and you get your life out of balance that you run into trouble. And that's what the Stoics warn against. And especially since, in many cases, the events and factors that would lead to getting that big pay raise or new better job aren't really within your control to begin with. You can't make your boss choose you for the promotion over Steve. You can work hard, you can work well, and you can make as good an impression as you can, but that's it. The Stoics put a lot of emphasis on realizing what you can and cannot control, and appreciating the ramifications of those realizations. Of all their teachings and ideas, I really think it is that one specifically that has the most resonance and importance for American persons in late 2018. If you are distressed by anything external, the pain is not due to the thing itself, but due to your estimate of it, and this you have the power to revoke at any moment. Marcus Aurelius died in the 180th year of the Common Era, Nearly two millennia later, and if we all heeded that bit of his advice, Fox News, CNN, MSNPC, etc. would just cease to exist overnight, as would Salem Radio Network and all the other media outlets devoted to fueling the growing tribalism in this country between people who think they're conservatives and people who think they're liberals. Because, despite the hilarious public displays of wailing grief, the inauguration of Donald Trump as president itself wasn't causing pain to any of those wacky, super-liberal, pussy-hat-festooned mourners making spectacles of themselves on TV, screaming, No! up at the sky. The two-year-long freakout on the American left is a thing only because so many people allowed themselves to believe the estimate of the election's importance that was being sold to them by the self-serving mainstream media. And even if you're a true believer in the legitimacy of government and you're convinced that you actually do control it with your votes, you just have to know, as a lucid person, adult person in the, in the United States in 2018, you just have to know that who the president is just doesn't really have that much of an effect on your life. For all the talk and threats of ruin and starvation and people dying in the streets from no health care or being overrun by brownish people if this or that candidate wins, nothing ever really changes much. We still pay taxes to fund the dumb stuff our government wastes money on. Obama didn't bring everyone affordable health care, and Trump hasn't deported all the brownish people, nor has he totally prevented new ones from getting visas to enter legally. Obama didn't end Bush's wars, he just started some new ones of his own. Even if you still believe the lies the government has taught you K-12 through and that the media reinforces, any honest person just has to admit that the occupant of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue in D.C. there just doesn't affect their lives that much. Now, if you are, as they say, woke, and have figured out that you're just a tax slave on a corporatist plantation, then you know that who wins the presidential election every four years is just as immaterial to your life as who wins the WWE Tag Team Championship. Although, 
some of us who figured this out still fall into that same trap that Aurelius warned us of. Another of his meditations goes like this. You always have the option of having no opinion. There is never any need to get worked up or to trouble your soul about things you can't control. These things are not asking to be judged by you. Leave them alone. Such a simple, beautiful, perfect piece of advice, am I right? This is second century common era Roman speak for mind your own damn business. And both of my listeners will remember that I have previously argued that the fact American persons have forgotten how to mind their own business is the second biggest problem facing American persons today after having a government. How many of us, even some who identify as libertarians, choose to get all worked up over, say, a woman having the right to choose an abortion? Hell, if you're religious, and let's face it, if you oppose abortion, you probably are, the practice of abortion literally troubles your soul. Oh, but we do have control over this, the pro-lifer would exclaim. We can ban abortion and make it illegal to perform or receive an abortion procedure. Does that sound familiar? Here, how about, oh, but we do have control over this, the teetotaler would exclaim a century ago. We can ban alcohol and make it illegal to manufacture, sell, or transport alcohol. See, Humans rarely unlearn things. That's just kind of how we are. It took a massively world-changing event, namely the final collapse of the old Roman Empire, to bring about a period where humans regressed technologically. We call this period the Dark Ages. The word Renaissance means revival. The Renaissance era was humankind rediscovering much of what it once knew during the Classical era. I mean, we, we as a species forgot how to make cement for crying out loud. I mean, for centuries. We forgot both the importance and method of basic sanitation and therefore had terrible outbreaks of cholera and other diseases when the ancient Romans had sewers that carried waste away from the fresh water supply and even had heated bathtubs, whereas Dark Age European peasants often sewed their clothes together and onto their person because they thought bathing was unhealthful and so they'd only take a bath maybe once a year or so. So anyway, history lesson digression over. Not since the Dark Ages have humans forgotten whole technologies we once knew. So, it's not like a ban on a chemical humans have been making since the dawn of civilization, because beer was actually the cause of civilization, will ever stop humans from knowing how to make alcohol when, and then wanting to drink it. The Roaring Twenties kind of hammers that point home pretty well, I think. Likewise, humans have been aborting unwanted pregnancies since long before either the modern surgical practice or the wire coat hanger were invented. Female humans aren't going to unlearn the basic facts of their anatomy just because the government passed the law. So... To finally circle all the way back around to the point, no, pro-lifers, you actually do not have any control over what a woman chooses to do with her own body. This fact makes the efforts of every single pro-lifer, be they a legislator or a clinic protester, unnecessary by definition. They are their own worst enemies, as Marcus Aurelius points out in this meditation. Most of what we say and do is unnecessary. Remove this superfluity and you'll have more time and less bother. So in every case, one should prompt oneself, is this or is it not something necessary? And the removal of the unnecessary should apply not only to actions but to thoughts also. Then no redundant actions either will follow. This mindset is completely absent from the sort of people who stand outside abortion clinics and shout at the patients. Because there just cannot exist a more unnecessary and redundant activity than that. And yet, they're out there every damn day. Of course, Aurelius knew, as he was writing these things then, that most people were not of his mindset, that Stoics were comparatively rare, even back then when Stoicism was you know, a movement of some sort. It actually had traction anyway in the public square. 
I'd say people who intentionally and consistently try to live a stoic lifestyle now are even more rare. Be tolerant of others, but strict with yourself, a realist wrote. I think we all know more people who kind of approach those things the other way around, don't we? But again, you can only ever control your own mind and never another's actions. As such, it would be unnecessary and redundant to worry about what another will do or try to control it. It only makes sense to be tolerant of others while holding yourself to an appropriately high standard. You can only control the latter anyway, so you might as well try to live right. Say to yourself in the early morning, I shall meet today ungrateful, violent, treacherous, envious, uncharitable men. All of these things have come upon them through ignorance of real good and ill. I can neither be harmed by any of them, for no man will involve me in wrong, nor can I be angry with my kinsman or hate him, for we have come into this world to work together. Again, such a simple, elegant, beautiful mindset revealed in just a few sentence of, sentences of Aurelius's writing. Yes, today you will encounter a jerk. You don't have to join him in being a jerk. Sparing the energy to hate him is unnecessary and redundant because in the end we're all going to have to figure out how to live upon this wet rock or ridding an unremarkable yellow dwarf star together somehow. This mindset, then, is just totally absent in these sort of people who don black and red masks and go out and set things on fire and get punched in the mouth because some other people who aren't at all good at knowing which things aren't asking to be judged by them and therefore ought to be left alone are coming to town to say mean words. Seriously, the two largely social media-created warring tribes of extremism, that is, the various stupid white nationalist groups like the Proud Boys and Identity Europa and so-called Antifa, are themselves both the antithesis of everything the late Stoics were about. The opinion of 10,000 men is of no value if none of them know anything about the subject, is another of Marcus Aurelius's meditations. I should think all of us non-mouth breathers can agree that there isn't one among those morons looking to create in Sylvania who know anything about the subjects of genetics, biology, or any other relevant science. <laughs> See what I did there? In Sylvania? If people like me got our way, the general term for the region, because it obviously wouldn't be a nation-state, gets referred to on the social medias as Ancapistan, anarcho-capitalismistan. So the white ethnostate the cellar-dwelling white nationalist virgins would create should be dubbed in Sylvania involuntarily celibate-vania. I like it. Probably somebody else has already thought of it, but that's just how it is. But if not, then you heard it here first. Anyway, nor, as those of us who aren't burnouts know, does the sort of person likely to identify as being a member of Antifa know anything about economics, like, at all. But neither of them need to be hit with sticks or punched in the face, though. The most complete revenge is to not imitate the aggressor, is another of Aurelius's meditations. Where lefties want to shout and scream and censor, instead be calm, rational, and open. Where the white nationalists want to be exclusionary and fascist, be welcoming and tolerant. It really shouldn't surprise anyone that Aurelius's writings, nor those of any of the other late Stoics, they aren't really taught in public K-12 schools. He's a little bit, okay, he's more than a little bit subversive. The object of life is not to be on the side of the majority, but to escape finding oneself in the ranks of the insane, is, you guessed it, another of the emperor's meditations. Obviously, majorities, though, are important to the narrative that the government of the USA is a democracy. Being among the majority conveys instant legitimacy to whatever awful thing you desire, be it more government involvement in healthcare or to keep black people as slaves. Also, 
We are supposed to get worked up about things we have no control over as tax slaves watching the pro wrestling show on cable news networks and online alt media sites. This lends the government legitimacy, and the endless tribal warfare keeps the people fighting each other and distracted while the government robs them blind. So sadly, people are kind of on their own to discover the late Stoics and check out their brilliant worldview. This is a pity, because there isn't a person alive who doesn't have something they could learn. The Stoics have lessons to teach us all. Whenever you are about to find fault with someone, ask yourself the following question. What fault of mine most nearly resembles the one I am about to criticize? Oh, man. Well, as much as I have at white nationalists and so-called Antifa people, I guess it would be then that I'm as damn sure that I'm right about things as they are that they're right about everything, and I'm a cuck or a fascist pig, respectively. I am thankful for the late Stoics for being there to remind me that I'm just as capable of being nearly as big an ass as those people whose assy behavior I like to criticize. Of course, to the Stoics, that consideration would be a small one to keep in mind compared to their very matter-of-fact approach to death. Memento mori. Remember, you will die. Live your life as if you are ready to say goodbye to it at any moment, as if the time left for you were some pleasant surprise. Yep, Aurelius again, this time with the prescription to put Big Pharma's brain pill mills out of business. It is not death that a man should fear, but he should fear never beginning to live. Aurelius comes back to this time and time again throughout his meditations, that each day, each minute even, is a gift to be enjoyed. That's really the whole point of Stoicism, to condition one's mind to push out the clutter, the unnecessary and the redundant, and that which they have no control over, so that each precious moment of life can be more enjoyable. To squander a minute shouting at someone whose behavior and choices you cannot control from behind that prescribed barrier outside the abortion clinic is madness. Or to march in the street thinking you'll convince me to surrender my guns to be melted down so that you will feel irrationally safer for some reason. You can't control abortion by shouting. You can't stop someone intentionally murdering someone else by disarming a third party who has no interest in assaulting anyone to begin with. You can't control what other people do. Hell, you can't even control what your own body does. It can just up and decide to grow cancer or have a vital organ start to fail all by itself. The only thing any of us can ever control is our minds. And some of us really don't bother to take charge there either. You have power over your mind, not outside events. Realize this and you will find strength is yet another of the Emperor's meditations. Given that our minds are literally the only thing any of us has control over, my constantly urging everyone to question everything and be ever wary of what we're all taught by the government and what the mainstream media reports, as well as how and why they report it, that kind of seems like good advice to me. I mean, our minds are the only possession we have, and there's an endless line of hucksters and mountebanks lined up out there just dying to influence you to their advantage. One must always guard against them, lest they let their heads get filled up with a bunch of nonsense, be it economic illiteracy or irrational ir racial hatred, or some other harmful BS. Because the happiness of your life depends upon the quality of your thoughts. That is, you guessed it, there's a pattern emerging here. You can tell, can't you? Aurelius again. Those of you who've had the misfortune of meeting a white nationalist, Bear with me here as I ask you to bring back memories you've doubtlessly tried to suppress, and for good reason, no doubt. But okay, think back on your interactions with that involuntarily celibate person. I'll wait. Okay, now, 
Overall, did that person seem very happy to you, like on a scale of 1 to 10? 1 being me at an Insane Clown Posse concert, and 10 being me at Iron Maiden at Long Beach Arena during the 84 World Slavery Tour just after I've successfully invented a time machine. Well, technically, I'd have... But anyway, where would you score them? Well, the ones I've met personally slot in right around uh, the 2 or 3 mark. I mean, seriously, these are some of the most miserable people I've ever met. I'm willing to bet that has a lot to do with the fact they roll around all day with heads full of very low-quality thoughts. Ideas, thoughts, and beliefs that are absolute doo-doo. I believe that, in questioning everything, one can avoid landing upon and fixing on doo-doo-tier thoughts that actually do their psyche harm. It probably couldn't hurt anyway. And so as I record this on the eve of Thanksgiving, I must say that I am thankful for the fact that the writings of the late Stoics survive to instruct us to this day because they help teach me to be more thankful generally. In my own defense, I want to say that being generally thankful isn't the easiest mindset to get into, as evidenced by the ostensible dearth of people who possess it, but I'm working on it. I understand at least I'm lacking there. you got to admit, you have a problem before you can fix it. When you arise in the morning, think of what a precious privilege it is to be alive, to breathe, to think, to enjoy, to love. The emperor of Rome wrote, as near as makes no difference 2,000 years ago. As I said before, it's a real pity that Aurelius, Seneca, and Epictetus, and the other late Stoics aren't taught in schools. But then, their way of thinking might lead a person to think things through for themselves. Everything we hear is an opinion, not a fact. Everything we see is a perspective, not the truth, Aurelius wrote. And well, another underappreciated philosopher of more recent vintage pointed out a century ago that governments find people who think things through for themselves without regard for the prevailing taboos and superstitions to be the most sort of dangerous people there are. So until next time, dear friends, happy Thanksgiving, and be dangerous. And you know what? Maybe take a whack at being stoic, too.